Welcome back to another commodity update brought to you by the team from micaro.com.au. Here to do a bit of a quick summary of what is happening in the agricultural markets uh, with a bit of a focus on Australia. We've got Matt Dalgleish covering livestock, Olivia Agar covering off wool, and I'll do a bit of a brief rendition of what's happening in the grains industry. Uh, I guess grains has probably been a bit interesting in that things are probably getting a little bit more better. If we look in Australia at this rainfall that we've received really over the past, uh, well, really the past four months has just been been phenomenal. And looking at April, it's got really moist down below in, in the south with uh, Victoria, SA and New South Wales looking extremely good and probably being set up the best that they've ever seen in, 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 in my time in Australia. <clears throat> and that's probably given a bit of confidence and it's probably moving a couple of uh, the grain buyers to sort of step back from the market at least for at least for new crop because they don't want to be stuck uh, buying grain at high prices if if the basis levels are going to drop come come harvest time i think globally we still the sort of international grains council reduced uh, grain wheat production for this year by 4 million tons but it still remains record levels so fundamentally the tone is is fairly fairly bearish and i think we're going to have high production but we're also going to have a period where demand overall for grains so if we combine all the grains like your your corn wheat barleys it's it's going to be down because it's going to be less ethanol uh, produced uh, which which does have a bearing on all eventually so probably from a Grower's point of view, fairly fairly bearish, but we sort of did point towards opportunities to hedge their, their future production in, in early March, and uh, the opportunity was there to get up above 350, and some people took it, and uh, some people didn't. So, Matt, what's happening in that sort of livestock space? Uh, good day, Andrew, and uh, hello to all the listeners out there. Um, the uh, interesting thing, I guess I'll, I'll start off with sheep because that's a shorter story. Um, since the uh, Easter break, uh, we can see now that the stats are showing that yardings have normalised again pretty much. So uh, we've got them back to pretty close to the, the average for the, the season, yarding levels at least. But um, the real uh, the real laggard is the uh, slaughter figures. Um, they're still kind of down at lower end of the lower end of the normal range for slaughter and I guess with the higher Aussie dollar this week up for cent and also still concerns about global growth and what that means for sheep meat demand, the processes seem to be a bit bit slow to react and obviously supplies a concern I guess um for them as well that uh, that's meaning that slaughter's uh, levels of slaughter are dwindling away there. So um the process of lamb indicator just went sideways pretty much this week. Um the positive side, I guess, on the sheep market was, uh, and you mentioned it a bit there, Andrew, in your piece regards um, the kind of season we're shaping up for, but just looking at the root zone soil moisture that uh, the Bureau put out, we can see um, for this month now, just gone um, in April, very good results for almost all of New South Wales is now um, very much above average for, for kind of this time in the year type of thing. So um, really good prospects, not just for the for the grain side of things, but also for those with uh, with pasture that haven't seen pasture in a good while. And we're seeing that play out, certainly in sheep markets, for the restocker uh, lamb price. We've seen that since the start of April, that's gone up about 20%. Um, so we've just um, finished the week at $165 ahead for that restocker lamb. 
uh, and that's probing pretty much new highs, only a couple of dollars away for new highs for this season. Um, so the restockers are pretty active, but processors in the land market aren't as confident. Um, if you look across to beef, the, the big story still is international, what's happening over in the US with this um, problem with COVID um, infiltrating the, the meatworks over in the US, and that's causing a big disparity between the meat price uh, and the cattle price. We've seen the cattle price continue to soften extensively. Uh, live cattle futures are down to the lowest they've been in 10 years, um, but you've got the, the meat price, the cutout price is kind of probing new highs, and that's because there's concerns around the supply chain and being able to get product. And it's not just for beef, it's also for pork, um, but it's causing havoc over in the US markets. I think there's nearly a million people infected with COVID-19 now in the US. Um, so it's, you know, it's not just the packing industry that's having issues, it's also transport and logistics, and that's causing disruption across the whole supply chain. And We're and starting start to see that in Brazil as well now? That's right, yeah, exactly. Uh, in, in suspected America, yeah. shutting down nine plants in Brazil. Yep. Which and is so which that's, pork and yeah, chicken right. as well, I think. Yep. So it's, 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 it's kind of into South America as well. Uh, you know, again, um, from an Australian perspective, it's a little bit. Um, some people have said this week is that going to be, a, you know, positive for Australia in terms of our exports, and it it may be. But you know, you've got to remember too that we export a lot, and a lot of our, our product goes into the US. Um, and it's not just the packers in the US that are impacted; it's also the ports that are being impacted in the whole supply chain. So it could delay some of our exports going in. It's it's a you know, it's a not not a clear result yet as to whether it's going to be a net positive or a net negative for us, but. In the short term, that is, but certainly over the longer term, these really low beef prices are going to continue to create headwinds for the for the beef prices locally, particularly for finished stock, uh, finished stock. But um, and we're we're kind of seeing that too here that um, you know, beef prices uh, you know, are are off their highs more recently. But I mean, they're still if you if you compare our prices to overseas prices, where I think mean, we've got the highest feeder cattle in the world at the moment, the highest finished cattle in the world at the moment. Um, so with the outlook overseas looking a bit dire, um, we can't continue to probe higher. I don't think uh, even even with the circumstances here being pretty good for producers with, again, low supply of the herd and also um, the really good season that's shaping up. So they're pretty much the big stories at the moment. It's a matter of keeping an eye on what's going on overseas still for the beef market and just seeing how that plays out. Yeah, it's got, like out of curiosity, obviously, this coronavirus or COVID-19 is changing things. What's happening with the, I guess, the uh, access to data from likes of the MLA and the Syria? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, it, MLA are doing the best job they can, given they don't have the livestock market offices actually at the sale yard. So they're offering a range of reduced uh, and slightly different indicators. They're not the normal indicators we're used to. There's, there's no, there's no uh, Eastern States straight lamb indicator. There's no um, uh, Eastern Young Cattle indicator. Um, but they, they are putting out a handful of cattle and sheep indicators that are national ones. Um, you know, we're not getting as much information with regards to um, fat score and and uh, um, you know, kind of uh, for, for for sheep and lamb. There's no, I don't think there's any skin price or anything like that. Um, we're not getting muscle score on cattle as well, so they're not able to give us the full suite of indicators. They're not giving us the state-based ones either. So there's a limitation in terms of what we can look at. There's enough out there to get an idea of what's going on, certainly across the different um, parts of the sector, particularly with restockers and processors. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit thin on the ground for some of the local data. Um, we're still getting the slaughter and yarding figures, of course, so that's helpful, but... Um, you know, given uh, given that MLA don't have the livestock market offices there at the yard, it is, it is difficult for them to collect the same kind of data they would normally collect. So hopefully um, 
the situation doesn't last for too long. MLA's website is saying that they're going to reassess it come the end of May. I think 25th of May is when they're hoping that maybe they can get back to normal, but it, it probably will depend on what's going on within the respective states as well because some of the states in Australia are, are starting to open up. We've seen Northern Territory looking like they're opening up and allowing people back to pubs shortly. So, um, What's you know, the main thing? Um, yeah, WA look like they might you know, potentially open up just within WA and continue to restrict the eastern states people from coming in, which is no surprise there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it might be the case that New South Wales and Victoria might be the last two to open up again in any real significant way. So that might mean that, you know, for the bulk of that eastern states data, it's um, going to be a bit limited for a few more months yet. Olivia, Will, any yeah, good news well, or just more, more of the same? More of the same, really, Andrew. We just seem to be seeing lower lows each week for the bull market, unfortunately. Um, and it's just it's just a really tough market to sell in at the moment. Um, this week, the Eastern Market Indicator gave up 47 cents for the week, and, and it was a similar situation over in the West as well. We can put a bit of that blame um, towards a strong Aussie dollar this week, which kept some volumes um, back from those purchased by exporters. Um, but we're looking at pricing levels that we, we haven't seen since early 2016 in Australian dollar terms and, and even further back when we're looking in US dollar terms. Um, and as a result of the depressed market, there's a grower um, or that growing stock of wool coming up in brokers' stores and we've been seeing those high passing rates and withdrawals prior to sale for quite some time now. So it, it's not really a big shock that those stockpiles are building up. Um, Andrew Woods had a look on Mercado this week and estimated that grower stocks are likely to be up at around 11% of annual production now, which is really high. Um, but it's not just wool that's in that situation. Cotton is expecting stocks outside of China to pick up to 3 million kilograms this season. So it's uh, the trend that's happening right across the general apparel fibres there. Um, and then looking back to those, those uh, bales sold as well, if we look at the month of April, there was, uh, around 77,000 bales sold and the Eastern Market Indicator averaged um, 1,273 cents. But if we look at that same month back to last year, we had uh, nearly double the amount of bales sold, so 143,000. Um, but the EMI averaged uh, 1,946 cents. So this alone just tells us uh, clear as a bell really how the demand's collapsed right now and that um, we don't really know when there's going to be the turnaround. So so it's not much good news for wool there, Andrew, but um, hopefully it holds where it is now and doesn't continue this downward spiral. Now, I remember somebody said that wool prices could only go one way, maybe a mm -hmm. year and a half ago. <clears throat> it's kind of true this year, though, I guess. Yeah. Not, not the way we wanted yeah, it yeah. to go. I but, think it was. I think the actual term was it can only go up, it can't go down. Was the uh, no, uh, yeah. So um, <laughs> it wasn't so much one way. I think if you're saying it's going one way, you can always be right. It always goes one way, not always the right way. But um, yeah, uh, they're not taking ownership of that one, are they? I wonder. Like one of the one of the a question I've got. I don't know if you probably can't answer it now, but maybe something for Woodsy to look at. We've got all these shops closed down. We've got. You know, your big retailers, your H&Ms, your Uniqlo and whatever else. And especially those ones that are heavily sort of into, like, China. I wonder if those stores are going to be 
have big stockpiles of clothing that is already produced that hasn't been sold. You know, at the end yeah. of the day, like if you look around the Western world, the only thing that people have worn in the last six weeks has been joggers and hoodies. So well, be, there's a stockpile of the base commodity, but is there a stockpile of finished products as well? Yeah, certainly for a lot of those stores, Andrew, there would be. I mean, we do have fashion cycles. Like we have cycles everywhere wow. else. Cl- um, clearly, clearly, I know about fashion cycles because <laughs> you've seen my shirts. All it needs is for uh, all it needs, Andrew, is for the uh, the uh, kilt to come back into fashion uh, as a global kind of phenomenon, and that could solve the wool problems for good, isn't it? With the amount of wool that goes into kilt material. That would only sort out the twenty-seven micron and above, though. Uh, <laughs> Every, everyone likes a bit of itch. Best that everyone stays at home if that's the case. Anyway, so uh, Olivia, there's something else happening this week. Big news. Yeah, big news for us, Andrew. We've been um, Andrew and I have been busy at working on an upgrade to the Mercado website. So <coughs> our current website's been uh, carrying on in its current form for quite a while now and well and truly needed for an upgrade so everyone needs to keep an eye out next week we'll be uh, sending out some information about the new website and uh, how your subscription transfers over to that so keep a look out for what's to come. Yeah I think it's going to be interesting because the website looks really fresh the new one Mm. and a lot of we've taken a lot of feedback on from a lot of uh, readers, so it'll be a big improvement, and everyone will have to create a new password for for security. But we'll get that soon. But on Monday, it will be the existing website will be closed down temporarily whilst we do some finishing touches in the background, and then Pish Bash Bosh will have a new funky fresh website. Mm, so, yeah. So. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family. Uh, give us a, a like or a review on Apple iTunes or Spotify or wh- wherever else. Share it on your social media networks. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Have a good weekend.